may be wondering, what in the world was I just watching there? It's really interesting. This was a time-lapse construction of something back in 2018 that uh, Jeff Bezos from uh, Amazon, you know, one of the world's most, the richest guy out there, depends on what's happening in the stock market, really, and because uh, they go back and forth. But this was a construction of something that was called the clock of the long now. All right, they started working on this in 2018, and it was designed by a guy named Danny Hills. They got together. Bezos uh, invested $42 million into this clock. By the way, you can order one on Amazon. If you're a Prime member, you'll have it by the end of this week. Price tag, $42 million, okay? And, uh, but he invested in this, and this is out in uh, West Texas in Van Horn, some property that he owns out there. And uh, they took a mountain. They uh, kind of carved carved it out, constructed this clock, and, uh, and Danny Hills designed it to be a 10,000-year clock, a 10,000-year clock, literally ticking one time every year, one time every year. It also has a century hand, and you would realize this, that it will move every 100 years. And now here's what's also interesting. It has a cuckoo that will come out. Remember, it's a 10,000-year clock. A cuckoo that will come out every millennium. Every millennium. Now, I told Hope about that, my wife, this week, and she asked what probably every one of you are thinking, why? Why in the world? What is this about? Well, Danny Hills, the designer of this, this is, this is what he said about this. He said, the idea is to foster long-term thinking, all right? And, and in other words, long-term thinking and responsibility in the framework of the next 10,000 years. What, what they're getting at is that the choices, the decisions that are being made in the moments right now, impacting generations that are coming behind us, Really, I, I don't quite fully understand all of that, but that was the idea on this. Now, what they're in essence saying is that we focus a lot on temporal things without the thoughts of consequences that are down the road, all right? Now, that seems like a lot of money to spend on that, to figure that out. But they're coming at it from a secular worldview, a secular perspective. But what's interesting is we are in this book of Ecclesiastes. Grab your Bibles, okay? Go there with me to chapter 3 or your devices if you're going to follow along with me. And what we've been learning is that Solomon had some interesting worldviews. He struggled with a lot of the things that, we, as we've been talking about, and a lot of things that you and I will often struggle with. He's wrestling with something that uh, a lot of people wrestle with every single day, is that we have this understanding that our days are slipping away from us. That they are, they are certainly moment by moment, Moving forward, there's not anything that we can do to get our hands around it and to stop time from moving forward, okay? And he's struggling with this. He's struggling with this whole issue of time, this issue of time, and he's going to begin to take us down this rabbit hole, okay? Remember, Solomon would philosophize about all of these different things in chapter 1 and 2. He would say, I'm trying to figure out the meaning of life. Maybe I'll find it through wisdom. 
Maybe I'll find it by pursuing pleasures. And he begins to really expound on that in chapter two. And he begins to talk about our projects and how we'll try to stay busy with that. Maybe I'll find my meaning there and kind of fill up this, this hole that's in each of us that, that, that we're trying to, to, you know, to not have this emptiness there. Maybe I'll find it in my work. Maybe I'll find it, and, and he lists all of these different things now the next thing that he begins to talk about is had this matter of time. And he really seems to be, you're going to read this, he seems to be a little bit disturbed about this. And, and it's something, although it was written over 3,000 years ago, it's something that you and I, even here today, we're still battling with. And it's still something because we are creatures that are restrained by the parameters of time. Now, we didn't invent time. We just figured out how to measure it, right? We understood, we began to understand that the earth, you know, in a 24-hour period will rotate on its axis. We know this, that, that we each have 1,440 minutes in a day. We each have 86,400 seconds every single day, and you can't stop that from moving forward. It's always moving. It's always going, right? Now, here's some interesting thoughts on how we spend our time. And our time is indiscriminate. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're younger, now, isn't it interesting that our perspective changed? Because when you're younger, it feels like it's going incredibly slow. It takes forever to get to Christmas. But then whenever you're my age, it's like, here we go again. It's already here, right? It's like we have these limited perspectives, but it is still the same. It doesn't matter what age you are, we all still have the same amount of time in every single day. Now, there have been some time audits that have been done, I, I thought this was interesting, on how the average American in an average lifespan will spend their time, okay? You, you may not know this, but you will spend somewhere between 28 to 32 hours of your life sleeping. Some of you are doing it right now. You're adding to that, okay? Wake up. But you'll spend some time sleeping. One year of your life will be spent looking for things you have misplaced. Some of us spend more time doing that. This is the reason. Put your keys in the same place every day, okay? Four years of your life will be spent doing housework. For some, five years for a lot of us, five years waiting in lines. Don't you hate that? I hate that, waiting in lines. Now when you're waiting, you're gonna be thinking about this. Time is wasting. Six years of your life, you will spend eating. One and a half years of your life, on average, working out, which will explain a lot of things, right, for us Americans. Two months of our lives, brushing our teeth. Seven and a half years, on our smartphones. Yeah, right? Some of us more than others, right? How about this? Six and a half years, some of us will spend six and a half years of our lives on social media. And maybe that's not your thing. How about this? 10 to 12 years of your life spent watching television and this was really appropriate, 1.3 years of your lives trying to figure out what to watch on television, okay? And whenever I read that to Hope, she said, you need to kick that up a notch for you, buddy, because you drive me crazy. It's because there's so many choices that we have today. I can't ever decide. 
Now, Dr. Leslie Weatherhead, now I'm going to give you something right here, and this is going to be heavy, okay, for some of us. It's going to be a little sensitive. It gets a little sensitive when we start talking about age and we start talking about time. It gets sensitive. He wrote a book called A Time for God, and he calculated the average lifespan, let's just say, and he rounds it around 70 years of age. That's what he's saying, okay, not me. But he says, Let's take from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. and let's put this clock up and let's begin to say what it would look like, okay? So if you're 15 years old, then for you right now, it would be 10.25 a.m. It's still the morning. There's still a lot of time. If you're 20 years old, it's 11.34. We're moving forward, right? 25 years of age, it's 12.42. It's past lunchtime. 30 years of age, 151. 40 years, 408. Now, it's getting a little sensitive, I can tell in here. Some of you are feeling this with me because I turned 50 last year. 50 years, 625 p.m. 55 years old, 734. Some of you are really starting to give me some dirty looks right now, all right? Take it up with Dr. Weatherhead. 60 years, 842 65 years of age, he says 951, and he says 70 years of age, he says 11 o'clock, and then what he says is anything after that is borrowed time. Borrowed time. Interesting, okay? Now, we know that those numbers are just very relative, but it's, but it's a sobering thought. When you really begin to kind of take into consideration, maybe as you analyze, we're always so busy, we're always running, uh, all of the time, many of us never slow down enough to really take a good examination of where we are in our lives, what we're doing with our time, how we're spending it, right? It's, it's interesting. We don't, we don't really know how much time we have left. By the way, I heard about this guy who went to get a checkup, and uh, the doctor called him in and said, I need to talk with you. You need to get in here as soon as you can. I have some results for you. Uh, and, and the doctor had a frown on his face. He said, I have bad news for you, and I have worse news. What do you want first? And the guy was like, What? He said, listen, you need to sit down. I'm going to give you some news, okay? And uh, he said, well, I guess go ahead and give me the bad news. And the doctor said, well, here's, here's the bad news, okay? The bad news is you've got 24 hours left to live. And he's like, what? And he jumps up and he's like, I, I don't have time to get the, my orders and, 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 you know, my affairs in order. What are you talking, what could possibly be worse than telling me I have 24 hours live, to live, you know? He's, What's worse? And, and what he said was he said, well, the worst news was this, is that I was supposed to tell you this yesterday, okay? And the truth is, is that none of us do know how much more time that we have, and we acknowledge this, okay, in this book, all right? And I've, I've shared this with you over and over again. This book of Ecclesiastes is a heavy book. There are issues that are weighty that we think about, but they're relevant, there are things that we are dealing with in our lives, right? There's something for us to consider. And, and remember, you got to look at it. If you haven't been with us from the beginning, I want to catch you up to speed that Solomon was, was looking through this with kind of a clouded lens. He was looking at life and what he would call under the sun. Remember what that means is life in this fallen, broken world. And we know that this world is broken, amen, right? It's messed up. We're, 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 we're hopefully on the tail end of a pandemic, uh, Lord willing, right? And so it's, it's broken. It's a broken place that we live in. The other thing that we discussed was that Solomon was looking through the lens of what we, we understand as progressive revelation is that Solomon didn't quite understand 
the things about Jesus. He knew that there was more. He knew that there, there, there should be more. And we're going to get to this in a second that God has created us. But he was really wrestling with some of his Jewish theology, which was actually really good Jewish theology. He wrestled with what is out ahead of us when it comes to death. Now, now Moses had this perspective. Before we get into Ecclesiastes 3, I want to take you to Psalm chapter 90. And Moses has wisdom in this. And I hope that this will speak to you today as it did me. Here's what Moses says, and it's recorded in Psalms. Here's what he says to the, to the Lord. Teach us, God. All right? Another translation says, remind us. Because we get busy and we forget to realize, say it with me, what? The brevity of life. Teach us to realize this. And now here's what he's going to say in wisdom. Why? So that we may grow in wisdom. So that we live our lives on purpose. So that we live our lives, you know, making the most of this. Now, I'm in this category that's past six o'clock. And as I read that, that got, that started getting a little heavy for me. Now, I, what I want to say is, is I know that there are some of you that are also in that category and maybe you're beyond that. Maybe you're on borrowed time, according to Dr. Weatherhead. Solomon, you got to know, is not looking through the lens of Jesus Christ. He is not looking through the lens of Christ that you and I, if you are a believer, we are afforded that opportunity. We are able to look back and see that there was someone who came who was able to fix this problem who was able to do something about the brokenness that is in this world. Now, we're still in the brokenness right now, and I'm going to explain some things here in a minute about this. But I do want to say this before I go on any further. If you are in that older category, there's a couple of ways that you can approach this today, all right? You can get very discouraged. This book discourages people sometimes if they don't understand it. You can get depressed about it. You can kind of start looking down at this and feeling like, and, but, but here's what I want you to feel. That means you're feeling what Solomon was feeling. You get that? Whenever you start thinking like that and you start kind of getting down, he's feeling this desperation. He knows that time is, 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 is ticking away and it's, it's bothering him. It's eating him up inside because he knows that he cannot get his hands around this. Now, so you can get depressed about this, or, and this is what I believe for those of us here in Jesus Christ, as we begin to understand this, as we explain it more in a second, it's kind of like this. I love that it's football season, all right? And I love it whenever you see a team, when the fourth quarter rolls around, and it's like something happens within that team, okay? For the first three quarters, a lot of times, maybe they're not very focused, maybe there's not a sense of urgency, but there's something that happens, right? When they say, all right, fourth quarter is here, now urgency happens. Now focus happens. And have you ever seen a team that will score more points in the fourth quarter than they will in the complete first three quarters altogether? It's interesting. So you can get discouraged or you can say, you know what? I realize something. I realize that every day that I'm living right now, listen to me, is a gift from God. Amen? And I'm going to make the most of every moment. Because the reality is, no matter what age you are, you could be 15, and, and you're not guaranteed another day of life. None of us are. We know this. So I could get discouraged, or I could choose to live with focus and energy. I want to encourage you to embrace every day going forward as a gift. To make that choice here today, right? Here's something we also got to understand. God doesn't owe us anything. And a lot of times in our Western way of thinking, especially as Americans, we feel like God owes us something. But the reality is he really doesn't. 
God doesn't owe us. And so if you're older, what I would say is resist the urge to despair like Solomon would. Instead, choose to embrace it like Moses was saying. God, teach me to understand that life is brief. Life is unpredictable. Life is fragile. And and I want to make certain that I'm making the most of this. Last week I came out in our first service and we had one of our dear ones that I didn't expect to see that day because two weeks ago she was on hospice care. Her name is Judith. I walked out and I was so surprised because she was sitting right up in this area. And that was just like such an awesome moment to see this. And Judith would tell you she's in that older category. And we met, we met up out in the commons. And, and you know what we talked about? God's not done with her yet. And, and, and she's here and it's a miracle, right? She was in the last service too. But I want you to hear this too. If you're still breathing, God's not done with you yet. You have a, a purpose. You have a mission. You're here for a reason, okay? And so you view it as, as a way to use this, you know, this time wisely and on purpose. We have others who have been in our church that I've gone to visit and that I've talked with. I think of Lex, okay? Lex is not in that older category. For those of you that know, know him, he's 34 and he's healthy. But he also has been in the fight of his life with covid And Lord willing, he will be back up on this stage. I pray he's watching right now, and he'll be playing guitar for us again. But every time I've met with Lex, do you know what he said to me? Bart, I I, I realize it's a gift that I'm even still here. And he said, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to be doing going forward is I'm going to be maximizing my time for God, giving him glory that he has allowed me to continue to live. And that's, do you see the difference in the mindset? You can get discouraged like Solomon, or you can say, you know what, I'm going to make the most of this time. I'm doing something with the fact that God still has me here. I've run into others. I ran into a man the other day at Kroger who also was battling with this, and he got emotional with me there because he said, God still has me here, and God still has you here. Now, if you're in the younger category, okay, here's what I want to tell you, and I run the risk of sounding very old right now. Right, Because I could have heard an older person saying this to me. But I want you to listen to me. Because it felt like this. You hear that? Just seconds ago, when I was where you were at. Now here I am, 50 today. It felt like seconds ago that I started this church 22 years ago. And yet here we are, 22 years later. And I'm older I think I'm better looking now, but I'm older. But here's, here's the thing. What I want to say to you is, you know, we hear this carpe diem, seize the day. And you'll hear Solomon, in essence, kind of bring that up. Seize these moments, seize these moments. But here's what I want to say to you. Don't just seize these moments for yourself. What you'll find out if you read to the end of the book and you hang with us is at the very end of the book, he's going to say to those of us who are in the younger generation, he's going to say to you, seize these moments with God at the center of your life, not wasting any more time, but with God at the center of your life. So let's look in Ecclesiastes 3 and what I want to show you, okay, and it's the most famous passage, most likely in the book of Ecclesiastes, I want to show you just that Solomon's going to mention. He gets really redundant because this is what he does. There's other redundancies that he, that he brings up. Remember the word havel? 
This word is vapor or vanity. He brings that up over and over and over again. He brings up uh, chasing after the wind over and over again. Whenever he's doing this, he's making a point. He's going to use the word time 30 times in the next few passages. You think he's trying to get something across. So here's what he's going to do. He's going to make some observations. He's going to raise a question. And then he's going to bring a conclusion to us. Now this passage, look at this with me. And you will most likely, especially if you're, if you're older, you'll recognize this, okay? For everything, there is a season. And I know some of you right now are wanting to say, turn, turn, turn. All right, it's a song by the birds. Years ago, you just dated yourself, okay? The birds didn't write this. The birds stole this. But here's what it is. And he goes on and he says, And a time for every matter or event under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up. He goes on and says, A time uh, to break down. Or excuse me, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace. And for those of you who are, who are, who are fathers of, of daughters who are teenagers, you're going to like this part right here. And a time to refrain from embracing, okay? All right? A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. And again, he's bringing up this issue of time over and over. Now, here's the observations, okay? If you're taking some notes, here's just some things to note that Solomon's bringing out, all right? First is that there is this. There is beauty in rhythms of life. There's beauty because there's beautiful things that he mentions there. In fact, a lot of times uh, this is a, uh, can be used at a funeral. Uh, this passage is often used and it's often used to bring comfort to people. All right, And there's some comforting things that are said without a doubt. But I want you to see that he's going to mention 28 life activities. And I'm not going to break these down for you because there's not time. But what you're going to have is 14 positives and you're going to have 14 negative events. 14 and 14. Now what this is, this is a poem that he has written. It's art, okay? It's also called Hebrew parallelism. And what that means is it is like as he has written this. Now, anytime someone does something that is artistic, it's not just about giving you information. It is to move you to a place that evokes your emotions, and that's why he mentions some of these specific events because they're emotional events. They're emotional activities. And so this Hebrew parallelism is this. It's like this grandfather clock is ticking and I would have no idea why you would even be thinking about something that's ticking, okay? It's not a bomb, okay? Um, it's moving back and forth. That's what's going on, this pendulum that is swinging, okay, back and forth, ebbing and flowing, and this is what he's getting to, okay? God has created this world, and although we are under the sun, there is a created cadence to the world. And we can look around, and we can see this. Our heart beats 
with a rhythm, right? Our bodies act in rhythm. And, and the world under the sun that we live in right now is still in rhythm. We, and there's, there's some comfort to the fact that there's, there's rhythm. There's beauty in this. We, a lot of us find comfort in knowing what is supposed to come next. It's comforting, right? A lot of us don't like change. And so we like it in knowing rhythms like this. Well, we know that in the month of summer, it's supposed to be hot. And then fall comes. And then winter comes. And then spring. And you see, that's a rhythm. And there's rhythms. There's rhythms as the sun rises, as the sun sets. Now, we know that it's turning, okay? But you understand what I'm saying. I'm saying there's rhythm. And what he's saying is God is the one who has orchestrated all of these things together like these gears that are working together beautifully, Whenever you take time to think of how things work, it should point us to our creator to understand that there's a designer to this, someone who has put all of these things together. So there's beauty, but I want you to know, here's where the pendulum swings back. Are you ready? There's also what? Pain. Because we are living right now in what Solomon would say is under the sun. Remember, that's the fallen world. That's where things are broken. And he, and he notice, notice he brings counterbalance to every beautiful thing. He mentions some real downers. He says things like dying and killing and tearing down and weeping and mourning and war. Those are all results of a broken world. This is what we are living in right now. And we know this, okay, in our hearts, we know this. That the way we're living in this world right now, we know that this isn't the way it's supposed to be, Right? With all the hurt and all the pain and we, we look around and we don't understand things. And it's hard for our brains to compute and comprehend. We know something that something has to be different. Something, God surely made this to be different, right? The poem is to remind us that there are things that are beautiful. There are things that are painful. This is what living under the sun looks like. So it's soothing and yet also it's startling. It's, it's, it's moving back and forth. That's what this pendulum is, okay? We know this, especially as we get older. You know this, right? As you gain more wisdom, you know the startling part of this is that at one moment you could be laughing, and in the same day, what do we know? You can be crying. You feel the pendulum? <laughs> That's what he's saying, okay? This is what he's getting, and it's a tough reality. But here is what we know as believers, and this is you as you begin to move into the New Testament, as, as Christ has been revealed here is what Jesus would say to those of us who are in Christ. You're still living under the sun in a broken world. So this is what we'll find out. We have to come to a place of acceptance that this world is broken right now. And when you come to a place of acceptance, it's not that we approve and that it's good, but you accept that with the good times also comes the bad times right now. And you know what? He would even say this. He would say, don't be surprised in this world under the sun. When rough things happen. Don't be surprised. Peter would say this, okay? Don't be surprised, Christians, when you face fiery trials in your lives. Do you know why? Because you're still living under the sun. But what do we know? We know there's more. We know there's something that is out ahead. Solomon was wrestling this with this. He couldn't quite get this. Now, okay, so we've got pain and beauty. But here's what we also have. Here's another observation that many of these rhythms are rooted in our relationships. Many of the things that he mentions are relational type things. He uses relational language in this poem. And I believe that with time and relationships, 
there is very much intentionality with this, okay? And how we spend our time with others, how we invest in others. He's bringing this up and it, it, it brings emotion up when we realize our relationships, how they intersect with time. David Gibson wrote this in a commentary. This is what he said. We are profoundly relational beings. Most of the seasons of our lives are taken up with navigating the different stages of our relationships. Those of you who are parents, you understand this, right? If you, if you took your kids and maybe you, you started measuring them on a door, right? And, 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 and it just, you look at that and you realize there's a little bit of pain in that whenever you see it, right? There's pain in this whenever we look at this. There's also beauty because we know that it wouldn't be right just to keep them just to ourselves, we know that there's supposed to be a rhythm that happens in life, in the relationships. And he goes on and he says this, most of the seasons of our lives are taken up with navigating the different stages of our relationships and the effects that they have on us. We dance at a wedding and we mourn the loss of the one that we danced with. That's life under the sun. He goes on and he says, we laugh together and then later we weep for what the people we used to laugh with had done to us. You feel that? It's a pendulum. And that happens in relationships. You know, one of the most painful parts of being a pastor, and this goes with everybody, but, you know, but one of the painful parts of being a pastor a lot of times is, is you see that quite often. You see that people come and people go. You see that people live. You see that people die. And you see the same things. I understand that. But I'm saying this is, this is some of what we see is this pendulum. And he's saying this, this is what we experience with seasons with people. Now, life under the sun, okay? Because there's brokenness, this means this. There's brokenness in our relationships. And in the brokenness in life under the sun, this is what we can have a tendency to do. This will apply to some of you, okay? Because we get hurt and because there's pain in the relationships, what we will have a tendency is to instinctively try to protect ourselves, <laughs> So we make certain, and what this can end up happening here, it, what, what can happen is that as we're protecting ourselves, we can end up not really fully investing ourselves in the relationships that we have right now because we don't want to run a risk of maybe being hurt the way that we were back in time. You see what I'm saying? The Lord may speak to some of you about that today because what I think can happen is that many times we rob our relationships now and we can rob our relationships that are in the future because we get stuck in the past. The Lord's going to speak to some of you about that. Moving forward, we also see this. There are not only rhythms in relationships, but you're going to see there's rhythms in our work. And he brings this up again, the hustle and bustle. He mentions how many different things, planting, uprooting, knocking down, building up, tearing, sowing. This is a lot of activity it's a lot of busyness. Do you remember a few weeks ago? I was on a treadmill preaching to you. I worked hard for you that day. And then I'm going all this time and then I stopped and yet I really didn't end up anywhere. And this is what he's bringing up again. The point is there's busyness and we can get so busy, so filled with distractions that time passes and we really don't even realize how much time has gone by. Because we stay busy. 
And we oftentimes miss some of the more important things because we're busy. So Solomon is going to, after the observation, is going to raise a question. And it's a question that you see him bring up over and over again because, again, he tends to be redundant about these things. He says in verse 9, what gain has the worker then from all of his toil? You ever felt like that? What is the point then? It's what he's saying. I've seen the business that God He's bringing God into this, has given to the children of man to be, say it with me, what? Busy with. Now, what's interesting is that if you know in the first two chapters, he rarely mentions God. Remember, he's kind of doing this life kind of at this point. We think Solomon has kind of moved away from the Lord in some ways. And even in his wisdom, he, he messes up. You can even see the pendulum in Solomon's relationship with God swing back and forth. Some of you can relate to this, okay? And, and, and what Solomon is saying is God is the author of these rhythms. God is behind all of this, and, and he raises a question, what is the game? Now, in typical Solomon fashion, I want to point out something that he does. He's going to bring up 14 positives and 14 negatives. And I'm a terrible math person, but here is what I know. When you take 14 positives and the polarity of 14 neg negatives, what do you end up with? Zero. And this is what he's getting at. Do you remember what he will say over and over again about the various pursuits that he would chase after? I'll use this illustration for you one more time today. But he says it's what? Vanity. Vanity is not me looking in front of a mirror thinking I'm vain. Vanity is it's here and then it's what? Gone. And this is what he's getting at regarding this issue of time. Solomon, his cynicism is coming out. He's cynical about this. Some of you can relate to him. Chuck Swindoll would say he's a man who is living on the ragged edge. He's despondent. He's discouraged. He can't do anything about stopping what he knows is coming for him. And the tension is mounting. Look at what he says in verse 11. He, God, has made everything beautiful in his time. So he's swinging to the beautiful side of this. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. And that, if we stopped right there, that's really pretty, isn't it? But what, what happens? Yet, here he goes back cynical again. Yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. You know what I appreciate about Solomon? He's honest. Some of us really need to get honest about some of our feelings regarding our relationship with our creator. He's honest. He's struggling. This shows us that we struggle. We move back and forth, right? Solomon's acknowledging that God is, has this master plan, and he's saying part of the master plan is that God creates eternity or creates us with eternity in our hearts. Our hearts, remember, is not this organ. Heart, in the Hebrew way of thinking, is the core of our being. We have eternity that has been planted within us. That is why we want to live forever. That is why guys like Steve Aoki, that I, I came across something, he's another rich guy. He said something like this in an interview very recently. He said this, his, his father, by the way, is the, the one who owns the Benihanas. And, and, and so that, that fortune has been passed to him. And this is what he said, when I die, he said this, I'm planning on having my body frozen cryogenically because here's what he said, 
Cryopreservation, the idea for him is the end goal, I'm quoting him, is finding a way to live forever. And his hope is, if we can't fix it now, maybe it'll be fixed somewhere down the road and someone will bring me back. But that's where his hope is found. Now, what I think Solomon is bringing up here is why we get sentimental as our kids grow and we look back on pictures. It's why we, we, we cry at funerals. It's why we work so hard to hide the results of aging because eternity has been planted in our hearts. And this is what Solomon's getting at. You ready, all right? You gotta catch this. He's saying, God, you created us with this desire to transcend time and to live eternally. But God, everything's broken. Nothing's working right around us. God, we can't fix it. And this longing that I have in my heart for things to be whole and for me to live beyond what is right now, it's eating away at me. But our destiny, even though you created us with eternity, our destiny, what we know, because I see it all around me, our destiny, this sounds really despairing, is death. That's our destiny. Who, God, can fix this Who's going to fix the problem of death? This is what Solomon is pushing towards. And for me, right, he's saying this is running out. Do you feel that? And it stops at some point for every one of us or for someone that we love. And what then? What's next? Do you feel the despair right there? You're feeling what Solomon was feeling. That's where he was at, okay? And I, I'm not saying that to you to depress you. Remember that, okay? Solomon was looking through some lenses that we're able to look through, or he was not able to look through these lenses. Remember, he's looking at fallen creation under the sun, but he didn't understand about Jesus yet. He didn't understand that, that there was going to be one who would come who would fix all of this. Amen, right? Let me give you a quick illustration, okay? Just really quick for those of you who are visual. When God created, God created, okay, and everything was whole and perfect, and in the garden, he walked with Adam and Eve, and it was perfect harmony, and there was no sin or sorrow or anything. It was perfection. Paradise is what we long for, okay? But as you know, the story, as you keep reading in Genesis, from Genesis chapter 2, all the way through the book of Revelation, throughout the entirety of the Bible, Adam and Eve made a choice, and God had told them that if you choose your way over my way, and sin is going to enter in and what happens and instead of this wholeness and being near me and close to me, here's what's going to happen. There is going to be brokenness, okay? I can't get this to work right. Here we go. And so here's what we have now. I want you to follow this with me. This is where we are at now. This is called a polarity loop, okay? And what you have now is in the middle, there's tension. Now, sometimes there's beautiful things, but but we also know there's painful things. Sometimes there's laughter and dancing, and sometimes there's funerals and there's mourning. This is what Solomon would call life under the sun. And my friends, this is where we are living right now. This is where it was. 
This is where we, see, nothing works right in this world, okay? This is where <laughs> it's not working. This is where we currently are in this messed up, broken world. <laughs> Feel the frustration, okay? So here's what we'll do. Before we come to know Christ, we will do what Solomon did. We'll try to fill the hole with something. Pleasures, meaning in our work, whatever, and there's frustration there. Sometimes we'll have good moments, but we also see at some point, someone had to come and fix this. I already revealed it's Jesus, okay? So what happened? Galatians chapter 4 says this, that in the fullness of time, God himself, who is not subject to the clock, stepped into time and became one of us. And he put on skin, didn't he? And he lived perfectly because somebody had to pay the price for our sin. We could never do it. We would try, we'd try to get to wholeness on our own, but we always fall short. Scripture says we fall short every time. So right now we live with this tension in the middle. In the fullness of time, Jesus, it says, came and he lived a perfect life that we couldn't live. And he died on the cross in our place. And here's what scripture tells us. He took all of our sins upon himself, undeserved, so that you and I could have his righteousness transferred to our account. And here's the thing. He came to restore and he came to redeem not only you and I, but he came to restore, do you realize this? And to redeem the broken world under the sun. And here is where, now we're still living here, but here is where we're going back to. Amen? Wholeness, perfect fellowship, closeness with God. Now, we can be close to him now because we're in Jesus Christ. But the nearer presence of God one day, this is, this is what he's restoring and is going to restore one day. And we get back to this place. But you and I right now, even if we are in Jesus Christ, we're still living in this polarity. Positives and negatives. So how do we live right now? How do we do that? Well, we live with faith right now. We live with perspective, knowing what is out ahead of us. And it helps us. And we understand. We're not surprised when bad things happen right now. It's life under the sun. We don't get surprised when we get sick. We know this, right? These bodies are dying. But when Jesus came and he was raised from the dead, where we were spiritually dead... Ephesians tells us now we are spiritually alive and where you are created to live forever, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you live forever with him. You realize your eternity with Jesus, if you're a believer, has already started? It's just that one day when Jesus Christ returns or you die and this body dies, you and I will be in the nearer presence of God and he says that everything will be made new. Everything will be made new. I want to share a couple of quick scriptures and then we're going to close, okay? Here's what Jesus said about himself in John 3. No one, Jesus said this about himself. No one, he says, has ever gone to heaven in return. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole, all right, he's, he's saying, this is when I'm going to be up on a cross. This is what it's like, okay, for you and for me. As Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. 
check this out, so that everyone who believes in him will have, say it with me, what? There you go. But what do you got? You got to believe. You got to believe. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him, Jesus is saying it over and over again, will not perish but have eternal life. This is what he's getting at. And God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. And so this is what he's saying. Put your faith in Jesus. You become spiritually alive. You still live right now in this polarity, but we know where we are headed in So we live right now with tension and we live with faith right now because we know where we are going. I want to share with you this scripture here about what this is supposed to look like one day. And this is what you as a believer are supposed to look forward to. This is in Revelation chapter 21. We're talking towards the end of the book. Are you ready? Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. That's what this is right here. It's going away. And a new one is going to be restored and redeemed, right? And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. It's paradise restored is what is being happened, right? And he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will, you hear us use it at funerals all the time, wipe every tear from their eyes. There's no more brokenness. And there will be no more death and no more sorrow or crying or pain. And all these things are gone forever. Amen? And then check this out. And the one sitting on the throne said, remember Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun? Well, this is what Jesus says. Look, I am making everything new. That's why Jesus came, to restore you, to restore all of this. It was here, it went to brokenness, and it's to go back to this. And only Jesus can fix this. But right now, you and I are still living in this. That's what you have right now. And you're still living with this. And you're still living right here. And there's going to be some good days and there's going to be some bad days. So what do you do in this time? This is how you respond, Christian. Okay? If you put your faith in Christ, you live with perspective of what is out ahead. And you live with hope. Right? The best way to spend our time is with eternity in mind. You understand what's out ahead of you. So you have a different perspective. Solomon, back to this, last scripture here. He says this in chapter 3, verse 12. He says, I perceive this, that there are, that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful. As this is happening right now, this is what the world needs from Christians right now. Wouldn't you say the world needs some people to be joyful? To be a little different? and all the anger, and all this. And look, to do what? To do good, as long as that is ticking. And if it's ticking, you're still here for a reason. And it's not just about you anymore. What are you going to do with that? He goes on and he says, everyone should eat, amen, (laughs) and drink, And take pleasure in all his toil. How do you find pleasure in that? You find purpose in it. Now there's purpose. 
And I want you to say the last part with me out loud. This is where he landed. This is God's gift to us, right? It's his gift. So you have this ticking is a gift. Don't see it as a curse. It's a gift. If you're still here, you have purpose. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to use it? I would suggest this, that you enjoy your life right now. That you enjoy life. Yeah, you're going to cry sometimes. But you also enjoy it. And you know what? The best thing you could do with your time? Love the people that God puts in your path. Love your kids well. Love your spouse well. Love your neighbors. Love this community. I can't think of a better thing to do with our time. Can you? That's what you're called to do. Boils down to this. Love God. Love people. Develop disciples. That's what's going to last. Because everything else, it's just vapor. But those things last forever. So I want to invite you to pray with me right now as we bow our heads before the Lord. Some of you, maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus as your Savior. Now, I, I want to just let you know our team is going to be coming up because we're going to do a final song, okay? So try to, try to not think about them. I want you to think about you and the Lord right now. I want you to think about this. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior? What the Scripture tells us in Romans, it says this. It says that if we confess Jesus as Lord with our mouths and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, he makes a promise that you will be saved. Jesus said, for those who will believe upon me for what I did for you, he made a promise that he would give you eternal life. You are made to be with Jesus, with God, with your creator for eternity. So if you've never done that, I urge you right now to put your faith in Jesus as your Savior. Call upon him. You say, I don't know what to say. Tell him this, Lord, I want you as my Savior. I acknowledge before you I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. So Jesus, I believe that you came and died for me. I believe that you've been raised from the dead. I don't even understand it all, maybe, but I believe it and I'm going to step out in faith and trust you for what you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I want to encourage you to let someone know about that. If you're online, let Pastor Will know you made that decision today. If you're in here today, let someone know. Let one of us as your pastors know because we want to help you as you live this life out right now. Those of you who are believers, here's what I want to say to you. Some of you, maybe you've been living kind of angry like the world, and the Lord would speak to you, and he says, no, I want you to have joy. Maybe you've been anxious. He would say to you, no, as we live in this polarity right now, I want you to, to live with faith instead of anxiety. Maybe some of you, you need to forgive someone. And you're wasting time in relationships right now holding a grudge. He would say, let that go. Some of you, you realize you've been investing your time in things that don't matter and aren't going to last. Maybe you've been investing your money in things that aren't going to last. Paul says, every opportunity, make the most of it. Listen to this final quote. Someone said this, don't count every hour of the day. Start making every hour of the day count. And I would say the best way is through your relationships. I want to invite you to stand with me right now.